Got someone in from Ecuador. Hi Ken from Denmark. Got a designer from Cape Town. Good to have you. Johannesburg, Brazil, awesome. Copenhagen, Tanya from Copenhagen. Argentina, I'm currently sitting in Joburg, South Africa. Copenhagen, Argentina. We've got Yaku here from Sand Dollar Design. Thank you, Yaku. Ignatius, also from Johannesburg, South Africa, representing. Although we're not able to see any, we, we haven't been seeing each other as most of the world haven't, hasn't been. It's all been in this format. Safe to assume. Okay, I'm back again. Um, welcome to those who have who have just tapped in now. Um, if you haven't caught it yet, everyone's introducing themselves on the chat. Uh, so if you've just joined and you're keen to do so, please introduce yourself. Tell us where you where you're from, where are you now in the world, um, and what you do. It'd be great to just get a bit of a sense. But I see the the chat is going mad at the moment. So this is great to see everyone from all over the world. Thank you for joining us today. See, we've got a we've got a couple people jumping in on the camera as well. Thanks, guys. Welcome. A little bit of a wave. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Does feel a little bit one way for me, but you guys are muted right now, so needless to say, right? <laughs> we will have Q and A later. Berlin. I miss Joburg, obviously someone who used to live in Joburg. It's very warm here at the moment, to whoever it is, who is it there, the chat's moving quite quickly. Someone from Joburg, it's warm here at the moment. Cape Town, Sweden, awesome.
Okay, guys, um, I see a couple more people coming in. The number is rising, which is exciting. For those of you who have just joined, and to the detriment of those that have heard me say this three or four times already, um, it'd be great if you could share where you are, where you are in the world, introduce yourself in the chat. Um, for those that just joined right now, we'll get going in one minute. Okay, to everyone who has joined us, I see we've got 85 people, which is fantastic. Uh, welcome to UX Joburg. My name is Gavin Carter. I'm a UX designer, and as I've said, I'm based in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I'm going to be your host this evening. If anyone out there would like to get in touch with me, you can do so via LinkedIn. So before we get going, we'd like to just thank this evening's sponsor. So that's UX Joburg's sponsor, which is Sand Dollar Design. If you would like to find out more about their services, you can go ahead and visit their website at sandollar.co. So thank you, Sandollar. Cool, so please guys feel free to reach out to us on, on Twitter, on Meetup, on Facebook or LinkedIn with recommendations. We're always looking for new speakers, new interesting topics, um, and we wanna get some feedback from you guys. So if you guys have any ideas, if you know some of you have been joining us regularly, uh, please go ahead and do that. Now this session will be recorded. It is being recorded. So don't worry about having to remember every detail of the, the awesome content that is coming. Sit back and relax and enjoy. Um, and you will be able to find this recording in two places. First is via the UX Joburg's YouTube channel. This is what we, we tend to call our long form content. Um, and that's because we, we include these intro slides. We include the whole uh, speaker talk, the Q&A and the, the closing info. Um, and that is split up. So it's easy to jump into those, but that's the long form. And then uh, next up, we have the UX Joburg podcast, which is essentially the short form um, content. And that is just focusing on the speaker. So you can go and just listen to that. And just a note from our last, um, the last UX Joburg meetup that we had uh, in this last year, it was by Debbie. Well, we, we had Debbie Levitt on with us. Uh, and that was titled Stop Evangelizing UX and What to Do Instead. And that was pretty great. So just wanted to remind her that we have put that up on our YouTube channel and on the various podcast channels. Uh, so if you did miss that, go check that out. Cool. So this evening's meetup is going to, to um, basically be broken down into three major components. First, we're going to have the talk. We're obviously going to hear from our speaker. Then we're going to move into some Q&A. Uh, a Q&A piece with our speaker um, and Q&A will be, we'll have some questions, we'll be taking some questions throughout the talk and then we'll have a more dedicated sort of five to 10 minutes to, to, to tackle some additional questions. Um, and just a couple, um, I guess, admin logistical notes on that. So 
please post your questions on actually on the Zoom um, uh, chat group as we've been using to introduce ourselves. And what we're going to do this time is we're going to select those questions and we will actually, um, from the selection, we'll actually call you out and say, you know, ask you to introduce yourself if you feel comfortable, turn on your video uh, and ask your question yourself. Um, and then our speaker will be able to respond in that way. So that's how we're going to try out the, the, the Q&A today. So please, um, even as we go through the talk, uh, start sending questions as they come to mind. That would be great. And then finally, the third piece, the third component that we're going to be moving into is networking as we normally do. Um, and when we get to that section, we'll provide a bit more information. We are going to use the breakouts um, function for those of you that are aware of that functionality. Then moving over to our giveaway. So we're giving away three tickets to the first ever DXZA online conference, which is happening tomorrow. And, and these, these three tickets will be awarded to the three people that have shown the greatest engagement through their questions, through their comments, et cetera, through tonight's uh, meetup. And the winners will be announced later, later this evening. Um, obviously, if you'd like to find out a bit more information about DXZA, you can go to the web link you see on the screen, dxza.co.za. Great, so moving over to tonight's speaker, Borger Christensen. Um, Borger and I actually met on um, LinkedIn and it was quite a coincidence. I didn't know that that he was actually gonna, you know, he didn't know I was gonna be facilitating, et cetera. Um, and we've actually exchanged some good uh, conversations and he's been schooling me on, on quite a lot of, uh, of the UX topics, which has been quite a, a pleasure and an honor for me. Uh, Borger is a UX consultant from Copenhagen, Denmark. He has worked in, in the internet industry since the last century and has been consulting on making websites useful and usable for more than a decade. Borga, it is wonderful to have you here on UX Jobig this evening. You can go ahead and share your screen as soon as I stop sharing mine. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Good to see you uh, all. Uh, I'll be talking about uh, web usability heuristics. And in, um, me and a colleague uh, have created a new set of heuristics that we think um, reflect the problems that we see on the modern web. Uh, and this will help you to root out uh, usability problems on your uh, websites. So what I will be going through uh, is uh, obviously I want to present uh, the nine web usability heuristics. <clears throat> I have um, a number of examples and, and, um, and descriptions of them. And I'll be comparing them to some of the other sets that are available. And many of the sets are really inspiring and I would encourage you to, to uh, look into them. Um, but they have, uh, uh, each of them have <clears throat> pluses and minuses. Um, and I'll also briefly uh, be speaking about how uh, usability inspection using heuristics relates to uh, usability testing with real users. So when to do what? Um, and then uh, at the end, we'll try a brief uh, usability inspection in, in practice. And I'll be asking like four people to come forward, form a little group workshop conversation about the, the, the pages we'll be uh, going through. And you're, uh, uh, I will 
take questions like uh, twice um, during this uh, presentation, after the presentation of the heuristics as such, and then uh, at the end. So uh, I'm not going to hide them uh, from you. Here are the heuristics we'll be talking about. So um, at, at my company, we were doing usability testing and we were doing inspections. Uh, when we did inspections, we, tried, we, we recognized problems that we had seen on other websites, but it was sometimes hard to uh, connect them or, or, or classify them to uh, categorize them to some of the existing uh, heuristics. So we tried different things, uh, looked at several sets, uh, and at the end, uh, we decided to go through uh, um, a list of 299 usability problems that we had found on, on, um, on websites, mobile websites, desktop websites, public sector websites, private sector websites, and so on. Uh, and then try to see how could we categorize them in a, in a way that made sense. Uh, and I think uh, this, uh, I think obviously this set makes uh, sense and, and you can see if it makes sense for you. Um, so when you do heuristic evaluation, you are looking at, at pages, websites, apps, um, trying to recognize uh, some problems. And that means uh, it's, we find it's very important that uh, the heuristics are easy to remember. So these ones, there are only nine of them. Um, they consist of only one word, uh, clarity, tolerance, structure, simplicity, and so on. Um, so that's a manageable number. Um, and they are based on, on, on research. They are based on actual problems that users have had on websites. So that's why we think this this might be a good set uh, for you. And uh, obviously uh, you have to understand a little bit more uh, in order to use them properly than, than just the name of, the, of each heuristic. So we put together an, uh, an article on our website uh, that goes into a little uh, bit more uh, detail. And we've just translated it from Danish into English. So it's, it's, it's uh, been uploaded uh, today. And um, you can uh, find it. I put a link uh, to it, and I will be linking to some other stuff from our <clears throat> company page on, on LinkedIn. So you can uh, go ahead and, and look at it there. I was hoping to... I'll send you this link, but I'll do that later on. So there you go. Uh, let's uh, start uh, from uh, the beginning. Um, what are heuristics actually? Well, um, <clears throat> they, they are groups of problems. Um, so one user uh, might not see something on a website because uh, he had to scroll. Uh, before it was visible. And uh, another user might not see something because it's in the right-hand column. Uh, and a third user uh, might not see it because the, the, the link is, is too small. So these problems have something in common. Uh, and 
that we can call a heuristic. So in this case, we would call this heuristic a problem with visibility or discoverability. So that's how it, it, it works. And so how do you use them? You use them for some kind of usability inspection. And there are many, many methods uh, for available for usability inspections. Uh, the most common ones are heuristic evaluation and cognitive walkthrough. And so what you do or what you have is always, you always have a list of principles, for instance, a heuristics, but it could also be uh, questions as we will see later on. These one are from an international standard. And then you have uh, obviously a website uh, or you have a prototype a sketch or even a description of some future system that, that you're building that you can inspect. So that's one of the great things with usability inspections that you don't have to have a, uh, uh, anything that's, that's finished. Uh, and then you have evaluators. You don't do inspection with actual users. You, you use uh, evaluators. So it's something that you can do uh, in your team or a small group. It's not recommended to do it uh, all by yourself because then you, some taste, matters of taste will, will come in. Uh, and what that generates then is a list of problems. So you see something on the, uh, on the website that doesn't look right. And you try to then categorize it to a heuristic. And if you can't categorize it to a heuristic, well, either you've discovered the 10th heuristic now, or uh, it might be just your own uh, taste. Um, so your own personal op opinion, and it's not a, a real problem. So that's basically uh, how usability inspections work. When then would you do uh, uh, usability inspections? When would you use the heuristics? Why not just do usability testing, involve real users? Well, it could be that, that you just have a few pages. You, you have like uh, three pages, a flow of, of, of three pages or something. <clears throat> and that's, uh, it would be like, too much to define a whole usability uh, project uh, and call in users and it will take days to recruit and, and so on. So that's one thing. You, you've made quick sketches, you have three finished pages, you want to see, uh, might there be some usability problems here? Or it could be your project is secret. Uh, so you can't involve users because they might um, uh, talk about the, the, this brilliant new app to your competitors. Or let's say the world got hit by a pandemic and usability testing suddenly uh, becomes very, very uh, difficult. Of course, uh, there's, there's also remote uh, usability, but, but I guarantee you usability inspection is, is Corona safe. Um, the most uh, obvious cases, I think, is actually uh, that you want to do usability testing at some point, uh, but uh, you've probably uh, tried 
uh, to do usability testing. And, and uh, some of the problems you were like, ah, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that? So, so many of the problems we find are pretty obvious and you want to kind of get rid of those before you show your system to uh, real users. Um, and it might also be that you've done usability testing, but maybe you want to cover some more ground, uh, see some more uh, subtle problems uh, maybe. So, so those two scenarios uh, uh, are good, doing a, a quick usability inspection before you do uh, testing and then um, quickly uh, redesign the pages, get rid of the problems, then show users uh, something so that you can learn more. But does that work? I mean, we are, uh, you, you know, you are not the user. We've always, always been told that. So, so, so does it actually work? That's a fair question. Um, as you probably have uh, heard, if you test with just five users in usability testing, you are most likely to see problems that affect more than 31% of the whole population. So that's what this diagram is going to show. Um, so in usability testing, and now each person represent uh, a usability problem. Um, so the big problems, the frequent problems that all users uh, run into, almost all users run into, uh, there's a word that's just not understandable, there's a, a link that just doesn't look like a link, and so on. Would you see them uh, if you did usability testing? Yeah, that's, there's been a lot of uh, research on this. And uh, you uh, would be sure that the big problems that you uh, find in a usability test, you, you can be pretty sure that you would also find them if you do usability inspection without users. Uh, then there are problems like in the middle, like that some users have, not all. And uh, would you discover them uh, in uh, during usability inspection? Yeah, you, it, it, it turns out you would discover some of them, but not all. So it's still a good idea to do usability testing with users. Something else happens. Uh, <clears throat> you start to discover problems that uh, uh, in a, a, let's say you do a usability inspection first and you find some problems. And then when you do uh, testing, uh, those problems don't show up. So what, what's happening there? And then the problems that affect less than 31% of all users, it's very unlikely that you'll see many of them in a usability test with just five users. Um, but, but actually, uh, it, it, it continues that, that you will find a lot of tiny problems when you do usability inspection. So what's happening here? Jeff Soro from the company uh, measuring usability tried to find out about that. So he said, no, let's not test five users. Let's actually test 50 users. And lo and behold, some of the problems that inspectors had found, uh, had found during usability inspection, heuristic evaluation, uh, actually started to show up. You know, if you test uh, 50 users, one or two of them might actually discover this problem. So it seems that it's not always that uh, problems you find 
uh, false positives if if users don't um, uh, don't discover them during uh, testing. So that is why uh, it's uh, actually a, a uh, usability inspection is actually a powerful tool because you can find more subtle problems that you would in a, a typical uh, usability test. And, uh, and the combined irritation by all those small problems, they actually mean something. Uh, as I can show you in this uh, case, this is a, a client uh, we had, they uh, redesigned their website uh, uh, twice. The first time, uh, it was just based on, on a set of, of guidelines. Okay, let's do the best we can. And we did usability testing. The task completion rate was uh, 76%. So the green numbers are direct successes. Users were able to figure out what to do first time they tried. Uh, the yellow 33% are cases where users had to try several times and 24% they had to give up or found something wrong. Right. Uh, then we did usability inspection of that redesigned website uh, and, and fixed all the problems we found. And task completion rate uh, went up by 12 uh, points. What's more, you can see that the cases that uh, where users had to try uh, several times to do something, they were cut in half the number of times they had to uh, give up was uh, cut, uh, were cut in half. And that of course uh, meant something for the satisfaction rating in the first round of redesign, uh, the satisfaction rating was 63%, uh, so five out of seven, which is average. Uh, and then uh, after the, the redesign with, where we fixed all the small problems from usability inspection, uh, the, the result was 84% uh, satisfied users. And sometimes uh, we are tasked with doing usability inspection and then usability testing of the same system. And you can actually uh, like calculate how a successful usability inspection is. Um, I will show you later. So the success rate of the inspection was 53%. And on the same website, when we tested with real, real users, it was 58%. So they are not far from each other. So it's, it's, it's pretty reliable. Right. But why do we need a new set? Uh, I mean, there are so many sets. Uh, uh, that are available. Uh, I'm just um, trying, sorry, uh, I'm just trying to send you. For some reason, I can't access chat while I'm presenting. Never mind, I'll do it later. But uh, if you look at, at uh, I'll, put, I'll put it all up on the Kupinox uh, uh, LinkedIn page. So, uh, a while ago, I made a, a list of um, eight different sets of heuristics, and there are really some interesting uh, ones. Uh, one is, is, is actually part of an international standard. Uh, 
um, Ben Schneiderman's uh, golden rules uh, of user interface design uh, is also very well known. And uh, Susan Weinschenk and Dean Barker uh, decided to do a, a giant cut sort of all heuristics and principles that were available to them um, and came up with this set of, of 20 that we actually used for a while. It's, it's, it's not bad. Uh, the most famous set, uh, though, is Jacob Nielsen's uh, 10 Usability Heuristics for User Interface Design. Uh, and it is a set from, from uh, 1995, actually. And uh, it's based on, on uh, a set uh, of heuristics uh, Jacob Nielsen and Rolf Molik created in uh, 1990. And how did they discover these uh, heuristics that are provide feedback, uh, error prevention, be consistent, provide shortcuts, uh, provide good error messages, and so on? Where th did they come from? I mean, the, the, the wasn't much uh, web uh, at the time. Uh, no, actually it was based on reviews of computer system software. Uh, and software at the time were like command line uh, interfaces uh, like this one. So this is where uh, these heuristics are uh, derived, derived from. And I'm sure uh, some of you are already asking, asking can heuristics identify by, by uh, analyzing usability issues in software be used to evaluate websites? And that's the question me and my colleague um, asked ourselves. If we look at, at Jacob Nielsen's uh, heuristics, actually four of them have to do with uh, error handling and help text. And while that is, uh, those are important uh, issues, I, I don't think it's it's like 40% of all problems we see on websites or 40% of everything we have to uh, deal with. So what is the difference between a website and, and software? Well, on websites, there's more content, there's much more navigation, and there's more visual design. And, and that's the kind of problems we have trouble uh, we have trouble uh, categorizing uh, with these uh, older sets of heuristics. And that's a problem because we did another categorization of usability problems uh, that we have found. And, and uh, navigation and visual design and content are actually top, top five categories of usability problems, actually top four. Uh, categories of usability problems. So using the old heuristics, it can be a, a problem to identify uh, issues that have to do with navigation, content, and visual design. And that's why we created the new set. I will give you uh, a couple of examples. Oops. 
so here uh, is a, these are not the problems. Uh, this is a South African example. These are not the problems we discovered, but but uh, but this is a this is a page that that's almost identical to a page where we discovered a problem in usability testing. So uh, the names of the the clinics here and the hospitals are actually uh, clickable in the blue bars. Uh, but users didn't notice that in our test because there's something else like uh, the red links, more info, get directions and email and so on that look more uh, clickable. So uh, the question is, how would you, um, how would you categorize that in, uh, in, um, uh, with the different uh, sets of heuristics. And now I unshared uh, so that I can uh, share with you a link here uh, to a survey, because I would actually ask you all uh, to, <clears throat> uh, to click that link and go into SurveyMonkey. And uh, then I've, I've put together a list of, of uh, the, uh, the traditional heuristics and then the new set, and we'll see if if any of them don't, just so that you've tried to to use both. I'll give you like two minutes for for that. Two responses so far, we need more. Seventeen. Thirty-four. You are so fast. Okay, I think let's Uh, so in the first one, uh, we have visibility of system status matched between uh, eight of the 10 heuristics have been uh, in use here. The, uh, the, the biggest one is consistency and standards. And then in the other one, the new set, uh, one, two, three, four, five, only five of the heuristics have 
been in use and the majority said uh, affordance. In terms of what is uh, correct, I, I think in uh, Nielsen's, if you read the longer descriptions, uh, it would actually be uh, aesthetic and minimalist design that you would uh, categorize it. And here, uh, the correct answer is actually affordance. All right, cool. Uh, let's see another uh, problem. I don't have a survey for each one, uh, but here's another problem. Uh, a long list of eBooks uh, uh, and users had a, a hard time finding relevant books when they cannot navigate by author, topic or title, but only by numbers. So there you have it. And uh, can think about how would you categorize that uh, in, in <clears throat> with the two sets of uh, heuristics. In, in the new set, uh, the correct answer would be structure. And then uh, some headings are too general uh, for users to be understood. Uh, DHL here has put all their useful information in one section of the of the website and all the unusable un information, I'm sure, in, in the other sections. But users have a hard time predicting what's, one, what's, what's actually on the page in this section uh, when the name is too general. And that in our um, <clears throat> categories would be, uh, would be clarity. Uh, in other sets, it's, it's a bit harder to, to, to um, put together. So it turns out we actually do need uh, a new set of heuristics is, is my uh, conclusion. So let's go uh, through them. Uh, simplicity, uh, we've described that as uh, uh, things having to be as simple as possible, not overwhelming, and there must not be any unnecessary steps. So before Christmas, I um, was corona tested and I had to reserve a spot for um, for testing and you get into this system and you can look at the 17th and see there are no um, uh, free times and there are no times on the 18th and there are no times on the 19th uh, so why doesn't this system just show me uh, the, the, the first time that's available um, would be a question instead of the user having to click and click and click. Uh, here's another uh, example um, that I see a lot. Uh, you can see the first few lines of a, of a text, but you have to actively click read more to actually uh, read more instead of just reading and scrolling. So that's uh, an, an interaction cost for the user. It, it costs some interaction, some click, uh, or some thinking to access the information. The second um, heuristic is consistency. Uniform recognizable presentation and interaction matches users' expectation. 
so what happens if I click on the logo Google Drive? I can search. Ah, nice. So now I've learned that. But then I go on to um, uh, an, an other Google system, uh, Google News, uh, and I want to search. So I think, okay, I can just go ahead and click the logo, then I can search. Uh, but that just uh, means that the uh, page um, reloads. <clears throat> so here's an inconsistency uh, two similar objects behave differently. Uh, and, and that, of course, gives me uh, unnecessary interaction. Uh, here, uh, another COVID example. Uh, I got an alert from the, <clears throat> from, uh, the, uh, the app uh, that uh, traces if you have been in, in close proximity to an infected pers person, which apparently I had. So I, I get this interface to warn me, and th then I'm asked to go on to uh, a site to, uh, to be tested, the site we saw uh, before. So here's the second uh, interface I have to deal with. That's completely different. Uh, and they, they call it Corona testing here or COVID-19 testing here. When I actually get to the place, they, they call it COVID-19 swab. So that's um, a third uh, thing. And then if I want to see a result, uh, the results of the test, believe it or not, I have to go to a fourth uh, interface uh, and learn how to navigate that. And uh, actually to log into that side, I go to a fifth interface. And if I want advice on how to um, uh, behave, um, uh, handle uh, Corona, um, read the guidelines and so, I have to go to a sixth interface. Uh, with different navigations and, and different buttons and so on. Um, and that's a lot of trouble, actually. Uh, 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 the OECD uh, a while ago did a lot of testing of how uh, of, of, of uh, people's computer skills. And this is in the, the um, rich world, right? The developed world, people have a lot of computers computers, you have to be a level two person uh, to actually comfortably navigate across pages in app, do that without problem. Uh, and, and it turns out it, it's, it's less than 50% of the population um, that doesn't have a problem uh, with that. So consistency issues are really important. We have another uh, heuristic called discoverability. Elements are visible, not hidden. This, they are designed and placed so that they are easy to spot. Uh, here is a South African example. Uh, this is actually what I see on my computer uh, 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 on the first screen. Uh, and I could be, I, I could certainly think that, okay, very nice, simple uh, page. Uh, but that's, the problem is there's more. Um, so this is a scroll stopper. Uh, this long horizontal bar, the red bar, like gives me the impression that this is what there is. This is called illusion of completeness. And actually there's a lot more. Uh, and we see again and again that people don't scroll on pages that have these uh, scroll stoppers. Uh, another problem is that things often are hidden in the 
um, in the uh, in a hamburger menu. So the hamburger menu doesn't actually tell me what to do. This is the Scandinavian Airlines app, and I used it to track my points, my my bonus points. Uh, and I had it installed for months, honest, honestly, until I actually uh, found out that, that hey, you can actually book flights with this app because that option was, was uh, hidden from me. Then you have structure, uh, chunking, categorization, grouping of elements according to users' needs and mental models in a logical order or sequence. So here's an example from... Uh, uh, a real estate uh, site. These are projects, uh, new uh, buildings from from all over Denmark. Uh, 150 of them. And luckily, I can I can filter, but I can only filter uh, to five regions or provinces. Uh, and if I take the capital region, that's 78 projects or houses that I have to uh, choose between. And that's mentally uh, impossible. And there are like a hundred kilometers between them. Uh, clarity is, is a, a huge uh, problem. Uh, things need to become comprehensible, precise, unambiguous. Um, and th there has to be an evident difference between the items and clear context. So obviously we see that a lot with, with content. This is, I believe, a, a Corona site for the general public, uh, but still they're using words like comorbidities, uh, respiratory uh, droplets, pathogens. Uh, I actually had to look uh, some of those up to, uh, to know what they were. And it can also be visual. Uh, here's, here I'm, I'm trying to buy a tea book on, on Amazon, The Art and Craft of Tea, and I can see there's a subtitle down here. Uh, so what, what does, but I can't see it, so I'll try to enlarge it. Oh, that's search. So, you know, icons can, even that are very familiar, can, can mean different things. Control is one of the heuristics. The user, not the system, is in control. There has to be a, an appropriate pace and actions uh, uh, can be reverted in a usable system. So this is something we see a lot, all these pop-ups. Uh, I haven't asked for this. As soon as I, I visit this website, some choices unrelated to my task uh, pop up. And when I start browsing, another I get another pop pop up. Don't you want our newsletter? Uh, well, I, I you haven't like proven yourself to me yet, so maybe not. Uh, and and the user feels that he is not in in control. Um, then uh, here's another example of with carousels. So I'm actually, oh, I was trying to read that text, but it disappeared before I could read it. Let me click this button. Ah, oh, now it disappeared before I could click it. So the, the, the pace of the, the tempo of this uh, page is not uh, suitable to me. Uh, so that's another case where users uh, lose control and it's not that usable. 
affordance. We talked about that already. Uh, it's uh, the case where it's, the sign is self-evident. Interactive elements signal how, how they should be used. So a link looks like a link, a button looks like a button. Um, it was actually by accident I found out that uh, uh, Nespresso has uh, descriptions of the uh, coffees that the, these uh, black names are actually links uh, because the green button looks like a link, but, but black text with no underline doesn't. And recently I, I, got, a, uh, I got a package from Finland and I had a tracking number. So I had to go to the Finnish post office to, to track my package. And, and uh, unfortunately, I don't read Finnish. And it's a language that's very different from, from uh, Danish and most other languages. So what could I do? I, I couldn't figure it out. I had to change to English. Uh, and oh, track your item. So this little thing here, it's, it's not a button. It's a... It's actually a, a text field uh, that I can enter text into, but it doesn't look like something you can enter text into too, because the label is inside um, the text field, which is a no-no. Uh, it, it, and of course, I, it's, I can change to English, I, that's fine, but it, it would be like a celebration of intuitivity if I could uh, use this site in, 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 a, in a language I don't understand because the design was so good, which it, it isn't. Tolerance. Um, the system needs to do like reasonable interpretation of users' inputs and clicks and small errors um, have to be ignored. So here's, here's one example. Uh, it, it often has to do with, with uh, search, this, this kind of, these kinds of problems. So I searched for uh, uh, Johannesburg on Pixabay, an image site, and I get these, uh, these wonderful images from the skylines and a lot of lions and zebras and so on. Uh, I, uh, if I search for Joburg, which is used, I would say, uh, as often uh, as Johannesburg, I get a totally different result, uh, none of them from Johannesburg. Um, so that obviously is a problem. So users, users who enter Johannesburg versus Joburg mean the, exactly the same thing. So the results should, should actually be exactly the same. And finally, ergonomics. Um, interfaces need to be physically easy to use uh, and uh, elements uh, should not challenge or exceed motor or sensory abilities. So how would you, how would you click uh, this, this circle without touching the other uh, with, a, with a fat finger? It's called the fat finger symptom. It, it's impossible. And I guess uh, this is an old example, but I guess you've tried these flyout menus that can be very, very tricky to use. So here you have it. Uh, 
discoverability, consistency, structure, clarity, simplicity, tolerance, control, affordance, and ergonomics, we believe that all usability problems can be categorized into those nine uh, categories. And at this point, I would uh, uh, take some questions. Yep, great. Um, I'm just so we I think we have one question that has come through so far from um, Ruan. I don't know if, if Ruan, if you feel comfortable to to jump on and, and, and have a chat with us. If you're still there. <laughs> yeah, so I think that question was answered. That was about the Nielsen Institute's uh, list of heuristics. And so um, that question was in fact answered. Okay. Okay, great. Um, is there anyone, you know, it's, it's very much casual. So is there anyone who has any questions at this point from what we've seen? Um, and if you do just uh, let us know in the chat and we'll unmute you, turn your video on and we can uh, tackle that. Will this come out in a book? <laughs> we, we know you love books, as someone's saying there. I will, I will, uh... I will think about that. <laughs> in, in consideration. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any so, other questions? Yes. Okay. We've got some people coming in. So. Are the slides going to be shared? Yeah. Yes, they are. I will. I will uh, make them available on our LinkedIn channel, or and you can post them. Okay, we do have one question brewing, I see there. Um, I think it's Andreas saying he's just formulating the question. Mm -hmm. So if we can just unmute him from our side, um, Jörg Straburg, help us, please. So we do have a, I don't know if you see there, Borgo, we do have a question from Lizette. Um, how did you go about building out these heuristics? Okay, yeah. The process? Maybe we can tackle that one. Right, yeah. So what we did, um, let me see. We, we took all our usability reports that were fairly recent and made a, a long list of uh, all the problems that we found uh, across websites. And there were 299 in all. Uh, and then we just started uh, as out with, with different sets of uh, heuristics, such as Nielsen's we have here and, and several other sets. Uh, and then we tried to, so, okay, this is visibility. This is maybe we can call this noticeability because it is visible, but people don't notice it anyway and so on. And then I think we had, <clears throat> after the first round, we, we may have like 15, 20 categories. And then we said, ah, that, that's too much for practical use. Uh, we have to cut it down. So then when we went through it a second time, we tried to say, ah, actually noticeability and visibility, they're kind of related. Could we call that maybe uh, discoverability? Um, so that was the pro process. Then we ended up with, with this one. We'll, this is in Danish, but we will make it available in, 
in English very shortly. So did that uh, answer your questions or do you have a follow-up? So we, we do have um, a couple more. So we've got Austin. I don't know if Austin, if you want to ask your question and, and jump on. We can unmute you. Yeah, there. so I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go for it. Okay, so my question was, I see a lot of these uh, heuristics and I think, oh, it seems like a lot of these can apply to other products and processes. So I just wanted to see if you considered how they might translate into uh, other types of things that aren't websites. I understand that you didn't make it for other things, but I see the yeah. relatability there. Right. I, I actually have tried to review a coffee machine, uh, a coffee vending machine with these heuristics, and it, and it worked. It worked well. It worked well. I found and uh, some problems. Um, I think every set is is. Uh, Every set would would be helpful. Uh, if you take Nilsson's, if you take uh, Weinshank's set and do uh, an inspection of a website, that would be that would be fine. Uh, but it's like Nilsson's, I think, would be more helpful if you evaluated software or something software like Weinshank's heuristics. Uh, uh, were actually built for voice interfaces. So they would be very helpful for that purpose, but they would also kind of cover coffee machines and websites and, and whatnot. And then our heuristics, we, we specifically said we will not, it's not our purpose to uh, review voice systems or, or machines. We, 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 will, we will optimize this for for websites, but I think all the uh, all the sets can be of some help. Um, and and of course, if you find that some other set is more helpful to you, uh, by all means, um, use that. I'm, I'm just posting you the link to all the sets of different sets of heuristics. Perfect. So we do have. I'm just trying to follow the list uh, the list as accurately as I can on my side, Borga. Um, we do have someone just asking about. Andrew's asking about. If you have a source for that thirty-one percent statistic that you showed earlier, with the you know the thirty-one percent and the hundred percent, uh, right? Yeah, I think uh, you can find it. So, uh, so that's um, if you go to uh, uh, ngroup.com and search for why you only have to uh, test with five users. There's an explanation there. But actually, Jeff Soro has a better uh, explanation. I think he has an article. I, I just, I think there's a link in the article I just sent you uh, to an article called uh, "Why You Only Have to Test with Five Users Explained." You have. I'm afraid you have to. I, I, I had to read it several times to understand it. But, but yeah, there are sources for that. Okay, great. Um, apologies, anyone, if I miss your question. We normally have quite a bit more lead time to to process them and have a look. Um, they're all coming streaming in. Um, so I think next up we have likely pronouncing the name wrong, but um, Dejan, Dejan, um, do you want to do you want to get on the mic and ask your question? If we can just get help um, from our side, unmuting. There you go. You should be unmuted. 
Okay, maybe there's something, maybe he's not talking there, but uh, let me just read this with the last one here, um, Borga, before we continue. So can you explain competitive web analysis versus web usability heuristics? Maybe it's the same. I mean, almost the same. Uh, I don't know if that's enough context there to... Web analysis, uh, it's, to me, it sounds like that you are comparing different websites uh, to each other. Is, is it like... Uh, I'm, I must say, I'm not familiar with that exact term, but there are methods where you like compare what other, what is the functionality or uh, what kinds of functionality is available on different. Uh, yeah, like, like, uh, like benchmarking of, but, yeah. I, but I, yeah, I think maybe that's um, a question that we're not sure of the context. So but, but heuristic usability inspection has to do with assessing the user, usability of any system, are there any usability problems? We don't go into, is this feature available? Uh, is this content available? It, yeah. it's, it's what is there, is that usable? So okay, that great. So um, if okay with you, Borga, maybe we wrap up QA, uh, QA for now, mm -hmm. uh, Q&A for now, and we continue. I know you've got a couple more slides and then we will we, we can continue with a couple if we have time before moving on to the networking. Right. So uh, I would actually like to do a little uh, short usability inspection uh, <clears throat> in practice. Um, and what I want to point out actually is uh, I mentioned in the beginning that these uh, different methods and I would actually recommend not to do heuristic, not just go ahead and take the heuristics and then find uh, your favorite problem and find a category for that, because that could generate uh, false positives. And that uh, that's actually been, been tested uh, in, in research at universities. So Andrew Sears did a, a study of, of different uh, usability inspection methods in the uh, effectiveness and he found out the best way to inspect a website is actually to do what we will call a what's called a cognitive walkthrough first after that do a heuristic evaluation not the other way around and he was very innovative in naming that method uh, heuristic walkthrough so that's what we'll be introducing now. The problem if, is if you only do a cognitive walkthrough, which is task-based, so you go through the system as a user would do if I want to change my data or order something from the website or whatever, uh, you go through it step-by-step. Step. <clears throat> if you only do that, you will only find the big problems, the top problems that, that most people have. And of course, it's very important to find those problems, but the sum of all the small problems also affects uh, usability and satisfaction and so on. So uh, the thing is, if you only do heuristic evaluation, uh, you, you, you will find too many tiny problems that don't really matter by themselves. Uh, and some of them will be um, false positives. So let's say I really like blue links. I, actually, I think all links should be blue. 
And then on a website that I'm inspecting, I see a green link. And oh my God, I need to tell them off now. So let me find some heuristic uh, that matches my opinion. Oh yeah, consistency. Yeah, it's inconsistent. Actually, it's probably not a problem that, that the links are green. Uh, so that's the, the problem. If you do both, if you combine them, first you go through the website as a user would do, meaning with a task in mind. Uh, then you are kind of focused on that task. Okay, can I actually order my books? Uh, my book? Can I actually uh, change my uh, make changes to my data on this website? Uh, and then when I do uh, look at the heuristics afterwards, I'm I'm kind of relaxed and focused on focused on the important thing. Um, focused on the on the task so um, now a second uh, survey uh, quickly i would like to ask you how many of you have used heuristic evaluation how many of you have tried uh, doing a cognitive walkthrough uh, how many of you have tried both and how many of you have uh, tried none of them and i'll send you the link just now Here we go. And let's see, wow, right. A lot of you have done uh, both. Uh, many of you have, have uh, done either or. I'm actually surprised uh, cognitive work, uh, walkthrough is so uh, well known. That's great. Right, perfect, thank you very much. Um, Let's go back and see. So uh, here is the full heuristic uh, walkthrough uh, methodology step by step. First of all, you have to determine what you want to uh, inspect. Is it a website, a prototype, an app? Um, and then briefly describe the user and the context of use. Who is this user? Why is he or she doing um, using this system now. Uh, select uh, a task and write down the correct steps uh, for each task. Not what you think a user would do, but how it's actually done on the website. And then walk through each step. Uh, for each step, ask four questions that I'll show you later. This is the cognitive walkthrough part. 
And uh, for each question you, you answer, will the user see this? Does the user get appropriate feedback? And so the answer is either yes or no. And you make a list of uh, successes and failures. Um, then you take a second look individually. So, so the cognitive walkthrough is traditionally uh, done in a group so that you can discuss, nah, I think a user would, and so on. Whereas heuristic evaluation is done alone. So you take a look at, at the pages again, and then you, don't, you can focus on other things that what was needed to do the task. You can try making an error and see what happens. You can see, oh, this, this way of making a, a, a button, is, is that the same way they, they do in some other section and so on. So it's much more free. Then uh, from both methods, you make a list of, the, of all the problems and then you assign a heuristic. And that's a little test. Uh, first of all, it's a test. So is it a real problem or is it just uh, my opinion? If you can assign a, a heuristic, it's probably, it, it, it might be a real problem. Uh, and it's also helpful sometimes because sometimes you you you're in doubt: is this simplicity or is it structure? And thinking about that uh, actually helps you come up with with a solution sometimes. Then you rate the severity of the problems: is is it a big problem, a medium problem, a small problem? And then you uh, suggest try to find solutions for the problems, ideally by referring to usability guidelines, something that has been studied. This is how to make a great uh, button design. All right. And who should, uh, who should uh, be on the team? Uh, ideally, someone who knows the website, uh, who can answer, no, this is actually not the easiest way to do it. The steps are, you can do it like this. No, this page is available in another section. And then it would be helpful to have someone who knows the users, talks to the users, someone from a help desk, for instance, uh, who can answer questions like, would a user use this word? Is that what they call uh, things? And then a usability expert who could say, who can kind of, uh, who have seen users use interfaces, who can, who can kind of say the others know, you know what guys, that. Actually, people don't have a, a problem with filters and, and so on, even though they look complex. So I've selected a, a small um, <clears throat> task here uh, from LinkedIn. So the task is view uh, the list of uh, invitations you have sent recently on LinkedIn. And the first step, of course, is to find out how it's actually done. So on the homepage of LinkedIn, you click on my network in the navigation bar at the top. And uh, when you come to that page, uh, you click on the little link that says see all 13 invitations, uh, top right. And then uh, you choose the tab sent up here uh, when you're under page manage invitations. And there you can see, or you could see if I hadn't blurred them out, 
uh, uh, the, in, the sent invitations. So that's how it goes. And uh, I, I would like to uh, try and ask these four questions. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. So these questions are based on how we interact with any interface. If we open a door, if we want to open a door, we already have an idea how to open a door. We are, you might be looking for a door handle. Uh, but then uh, maybe you open it with a button. And do you notice that button? And when you click that button, does it produce a sound? Does the door open immediately? Um, uh, and then when the door opens, do you know what you what, what do you want to do next? Should you should you close the door, or will it close automatically? And that can be translated into four questions. So at each step, you would ask: Will the user realistically be doing? We're trying to do this action. Will the user expect this step? Is the control, meaning the icon, the link, the button, the menu item, whatever, um, is, the, is the control for the action visible? Will the user notice it? And is there a strong link between the control and the action? Will the user perceive affordance? This thing is clickable. Uh, does the wording match the user's goal? And if the user, user does this correctly, is feedback then appropriate? Will the user notice and understand the feedback uh, he or she gets and then continue with confidence to the next step? So I would like, like four people to, uh, um, maybe if you're interested, you can put your name in the chat. Uh, so and we you, and unmute. So we form a little, uh, a little. We do a little workshop. Yeah. So Boga, we we do have. Um, if you look at the most recent chats, we do have four participants that have put forward right. their names to help, mm -hmm. including a dog. I hear. Uh, yes, that is my dog. Uh, oh, big big Great Dane on my side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so have we unmuted the four um, participants that... Okay, thank you very much. So uh, maybe you would briefly introduce yourself, just name and, and country maybe. I'll start. I'm Lars. I'm in Cape Town, South Africa. Mm -hmm. Hi, Lars. Very Danish name, actually. Uh, my parents are Swedish. <laughs> oh, yeah. And time, but different. <laughs> And who else do we have? Hey, I'm Austin. Oh, go ahead, Jessica. I'm Jessica from Brazil. Hello, Jessica. Nice to, Hi. Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Oldmir Baloy from Mozambique. Hello, good to see you. Yes. And hey, I'm Austin from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, United States. All right. We have a very international team here. That's, that's great. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you these four questions, basically. So the first step is to click on my network in the navigation bar to find uh, um, the, the people I've invited to my network recently. Uh, is that is that is that realistic? 
will the user assume that that must be in a navigation bar? I think if the user has used LinkedIn before, they might be familiar with that. Um, mm -hmm. Messaging might be another place where they might look for right. sent. sent uh, yeah, yeah, questions. true. But that's actually the third question. I yeah. so we say yes to the to the first one. Then is is the link uh, visible? The navigation item is it is it visible? I would say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, you started answering that question already. Is there a strong link between the user's task, finding someone I have invited to my network recently and my network? Is it sufficiently clear? Yeah, uh, I think so. I don't know about Jessica and the rest of you. Anybody else? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead. And, um, I usually use LinkedIn in, uh, like I, I'll split my screen. So like half of my screen will be LinkedIn and the other half will be something else going on. Mm -hmm. And so when you said my network, I didn't know where to go because when you go, when you when you compress it like that, it, they, they lose the labels. And oh. I'm a pretty avid user of LinkedIn. Um, and I was like, where where is that? I know it should be here, but I didn't know what it was. Oh, so yeah. I had to move to full screen and the labels should right. have showed up and there yeah. it was. Yeah, that's the strength of being a group, uh, that somebody has a little bit uh, different experience. So it is visible if we are in full screen mode, but what you're saying is, is if, if we are not, uh, something happened. So I would definitely yes. make a note of, of that. And then when you if, if the users actually click the right link, uh, is it clear that they are on uh, the, the page uh, let's see, my network now. I would say it's pretty clear once you get there. Does it say my network anywhere? Yeah, I'm missing it the H1 kind of standard practice, you know, having a some kind of page title. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there might the be an issue. There might be an issue that there is actually no heading what about the the, the navigation <clears throat> item as such uh, is it is it um, is it highlighted can you see you're under that section yeah i actually i actually missed uh, some kind of an ongoing because most of sites we uh we usually learn how to use it using or mm -hmm. following some uh, YouTube videos because there's a lot of uh, experts, LinkedIn experts. I personally did a, a read a book. I follow YouTube and I follow some expert on LinkedIn who introduced me how to use it and how to find out this everything you're right. saying. Yeah. Wow. So I, I would say that that's absolutely fine. There are, uh, there are, it's adva advanced use and so on. But our goal, of course, as designers is to design something that people can just walk up and use. Uh, and, and you can remember easily how to do this uh, afterwards. 
So, okay, we've gone through the first page now, and the first set of questions, and uh, it was yes, 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 and no, uh, because we actually don't have a clear, it says manage my network and invitations, but it doesn't actually say you're on my network page. So from here, you should click the see all 13 links. Is that realistic? Uh, would users think they should click uh, in this middle area or would they maybe consider the navigation bar as the first place to look? Yeah, that, that left hand stack looks almost like an email program pattern. So you might look there for, for mm -hmm. yeah. inbox send yeah. kind of thing. So actually that, that might be a, a thing that we, we don't think maybe that the, the, the far right side of the page, that's, that's where people will naturally look for this. Uh, just a comment. Uh, okay, just a comment. Uh, for me, in the first interaction, interaction the, the thing which I clicked uh, was show more than see all. I think uh, show more uh, is more call to action than, than, see, than see all. Right. And when, you, when you can show more, it, it gives another show more option and uh, it push and pushes more. I think they would fix that part. Right, I think that's uh, true. So, so the next question is, is it visible to see all 13? And we know people don't notice as much things that are in the, in the upper right corner. Uh, and then you have this, uh, you point out that, that maybe it's more obvious to click show more because that's more visible. It's colorful, it's in the middle. So I would say no to that question. And it's an excellent point because it's not always, I mean, see all 13, it is visible, it's there. You can see it without scrolling or anything. Uh, but it's just that there is something that, that, uh, that is more visible than that. So Borga, sorry to interrupt you right in the middle there, just watching the time. Um, we do have a couple announcements and then we wanna yes. maybe shorten the networking. So just checking in. I am as aware. likely as possible. <laughs> of that. Yes. Okay. So uh, actually, maybe we, I think we've demonstrated the method already. So thank you uh, all for your comments. And it really shows uh, you, you already discovered two things that I had not seen going through this earlier. Um, so I'll go ahead and show you how to then actually use this. Um, reporting the findings. So what I'll do, so we went to task 1-1 uh, uh, and task 1-2, uh, representing the different pages. And for each uh, step, there is a, a, a no answer or yes. Uh, and this is how you can actually quantify a, uh, the results from a cognitive walkthrough. Then I go ahead, when I have this uh, overview, uh, I, I look at all the reds and I see there must be a problem here. And I try to describe the uh, problems such as see all 13 link does not provide enough scent. Uh, links have different colors. Uh, sent invitations are not available in the submenu. And then I uh, refer to them. Was this found during the cognitive walkthrough or during the heuristic evaluation? And on which, uh, at which step. 
I might put uh, put in some screenshots so that we know what we're talking about. I will um, refer to the uh, classify them in the heuristic system. I will uh, give a severity rating for each problem. Is this a problem that makes it impossible to, for use, some users to figure out? Or is it uh, something that delays them? Or is it just annoyance and annoyance? And then I would go ahead and describe, uh, add a little bit of description for the, for the problems. So that will basically be my, my reporting. And as you can see, now uh, by using uh, this method, we've actually um, lived up to uh, the, the principles from user-centered design. We have had an early focus on our users and their tasks, because this is task-based. Um, and we have done some empirical measurement. We can count how many times, how many steps did we say no, how many steps did we say yes. And that's a good fundum, uh, uh, foundation for going on to do an iterative design, uh, fixing these small problems, making the, the link uh, more prominent, uh, maybe moving it to the left-hand menu, uh, putting a page name in there and, and so on. So that's how I suggest we, we uh, use uh, the, the heuristics. All right, uh, we will take some final questions before we wrap up. Um, fantastic, thank you so much, Borgo. So we're actually going to, to skip the, the remaining questions if that's okay with you. We are running quite low on time. Yeah. Um, and so we'll just, we're just going to go through a couple announcements for the next um, meetup, and then I'll talk to the networking. So those of you that are still with us, thank you for being here. And um, just a note that we are running a little bit over. Um, so let's just get straight into the remaining slides. So coming in March, uh, March is our next uh, UX Joburg meetup. We have Adam Rotmull. Adam is a product design lead at um, um AstraZeneca, I had a tongue twister there for me. <laughs> um, and they're actually a company you might have heard about recently in the news with regards to COVID, uh, to a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and the invite for this next meetup will be sent out in the next couple of weeks. Um, just a final thank you to Sandola Design for uh, sponsoring tonight. Um, as we said, you can find out more about their services on their website at sandolladesign.co. And then uh, just to get to the giveaway winners, so our winners of the tickets for the um, DXZA conference that is happening tomorrow, the first winner is Lars, um, who was up and chatting to us. I think, Lars, you said you were in Cape Town, is that correct? Am I pronouncing your name right? That's right. Awesome. Well, congrats. You got a ticket. Yeah. We've also one of the other participants, um, and I'm going to be struggling here. Sorry for your name. Um, Aldemiro, is that, did I pronounce that correctly? I saw you came on the camera a little earlier. Yes, Aldo, yes, Aldemiro. It's, it's correct. Aldo, yes, oh, Aldemiro. Awesome. Okay, great. That's that's a first for me. Um, and then Jessica, um, who was also participating, you are the third winner of the tickets. So congratulations, guys, and hopefully you do have the time to, um, to, to join. <laughs> okay, great. And then um, just a reminder, obviously this is the conference um, uh, and it's the first time for, for, for this conference. So uh, dxza.co.za if you want to go find out some more information. And then just to explain um, for the networking part. So 
So guys, this is the uh, pretty much the end of um, the meetup. So for those of you that are not going to re remain for the networking part after we've we've broken out into um, into the breakout rooms, we won't be we won't be coming back. So so you feel free to join. Otherwise, you can obviously get going and enjoy the rest of your evening or afternoon wherever you are in the world. So how it's going to work is very simple. We're just going to split up into um, smaller breakout rooms. It's just going to split us all up randomly, um, and just some of our recommendations that have worked quite well in the past. So just introduce yourselves, discuss a nice talk, um, and maybe just you know touch base on some of the current challenges that you might be facing um, at work. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much everything that's going to be happening with that. And uh, just a final thank you to Borga. Um, really great to to have you on tonight, um, and thank you for everyone who managed to join today. So I, I think Yaku, from your side, you're going to break us out. Okay, there you go. So so all of you should see already a. A pop up, and you should be able to start splitting. Yeah, the numbers are coming down. Awesome, thanks, guys.